The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Welcome to a breath of fresh air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a breath of fresh air. This is a very sensitive mission we're on. And because of this, I am sure that I, King David, I'm going out to battle today. No, King, we can't let you march out with us. You must not go out, because if we are forced to flee, they won't care about us. Even if half of us die, they won't care. But you, you King, you are worth 10,000 of us. It will be better for you to give us support from this city. I think that's the best thing we can ask of you to do. We cannot allow you under any means to march out with us. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Whatever seems best to you all, I will do. All right, soldiers, I have one last word to say and I am saying it in the presence of everybody. Joab, Abishai, and Itai, please deal gently for my sake with the young man. Absalom, Absalom. I have a few questions for you. After everything Absalom has done, is he beyond forgiveness? Has he wronged David so much by his vile acts that he has lost his father's love? This week we are discussing 2 Samuel chapter 18 and exploring the events of David's army versus Absalom's men. As always, be blessed and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air podcast. I'm the Kazge. I'm Earl Roberts. See, the good thing with the Zoom format is they can at least see our names. And I actually like switched my name on this one. So... You know, good things going for us, but hopefully everyone had a great week. Um, yeah, man, the world's getting interesting, but hopefully everyone had a great week out there, had some time to like focus on God. Definitely, you know, try to spend some time with God every day. Um, kind of brings me to like a point. It wasn't going to be my thought that they have today, but you know, it kind of fits in like, wh- like so much people think like just, okay, giving back to God, what, what's his own is just related to money and finances. But also it's like, you know, God gives us the gift of life, gives us the gift of having more time on this earth. And so honestly, like you should be spending time with God every day too. I fall short in this area sometimes. So not holier than thou, first to admit it, something I definitely could work on and should be working on. 
So, because I mean, like, at a certain point, is more than just like doing your little daily devotion. Sometimes, no one like you know, it, it first first it's like probably like oh, trying to read the verse of the day, get consistent with that. Then actually like doing a devotion every day, get consistent with that. Then there's like different levels and ways you can like spend time with God. You know, like you you read about some of these prophets in the Bible and patriarchs in the Bible and the time they spent with God. I'm like, woo, yeah, I definitely ain't there yet, but. You know, definitely something we all should be working on. And it definitely does improve your day, your mood, just your outlook on life during those days, during that time. So, yeah, man, definitely, definitely important. Yeah, I, I actually, man, my desire to have deep meditation and prayer in the morning, bro, it's like, it just ain't been there for like a, like a few weeks now, like probably like going on three weeks. I just wake up. I don't know. I just be so just just unmotivated. But I will say though that when I am on top of that, and I'm more than likely on top of everything, just in life, you know what I'm saying? Like this is like starting my day in that way allows me to conquer my day. Mm. You know. So like I still I still read even when I don't even retain anything or I'm not even really paying attention while I read, you know what I'm saying? Like, I still go through the motion that way. I don't backslide too far, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, it's definitely ups and downs with it. Because if you ask me two months ago, or even, I can be real, from like, from like December to June, I I just couldn't wait to read, you know what I mean? Like, and I was reading all day. I was listening to videos, Watch, like on YouTube, I'll be watching them when people break down certain things, and I was like, like obsessed with the word in that mm-hmm. level. Like I mm-hmm. just listen, and I just eat up, eat that up all all the time. And I don't know, I, I just as you know, just different part, like problems in my life arise, and oh, I gotta spend my time doing this, or I overslept, so I gotta hurry get to work. And, like just the pressures of life has been distracting me, and you know, I'm also. Want to admit that as well, but you know, once once you get that under control, you know, I feel like I have a higher quality of a day, and I just feel more connected to God, and I just feel more free and less shame and guilty. You know, what I'm saying when I spend good amount of time in the Word and communicating with God daily, and that's a that's an absolute fact. You know, it's so funny like how you say like the pressures of life get to you, and man, I'm the same way. Guilty as guilty as ever. Right. And I use this as an excuse sometimes. And like, I even find myself just like you saying, like, oh, I'm going to read just to read, but I ain't really like absorbing nothing. I ain't trying to read into it. I ain't really trying to understand. I'm just trying to read. Like, we're just treating it as like a checklist on the Bible, like the checklist on the Bible, but a checklist, like a checklist. I'm just like, did, did I read the Bible today? Yes. Yep. But it, it ain't, it ain't really supposed to be like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be. Again, like getting to know someone you love, is it one thing to just be in their presence or is it another thing to actually like be there, like communicating and getting to know each other and actually being caring for and understanding and the sympathy, the empathy, all that different stuff. So like when you just treat God as a checklist item, really and truly can't even say you're building that relationship. But I mean, God might, here's the thing, the Holy Spirit is so wonderful and God is so wonderful. Like even in the checklist, you still are touched and moved and you can still pick out something, but it isn't, it's, it's more of a surface level 
um, relationship versus a deeper understanding what God desires from us, I would say. But yeah, something I definitely need to work on. Yeah, like, you know, some it's like just like you like those months, sometimes you're just like on fire, man. Some weeks on fire, some days you're on fire and then you just hit a wall. Right. Or something like happens and throws you off your pivot. And then it's like, you just break the cycle. And now it's like, huh, I used to be here, mm-hmm. but now I'm kind of in a valley right now. And I need to get back. Like you, you find yourself and you're like, okay, time to like course correct. Now it ain't saying I got to go back. To, well, you know, I'm trying to get back to where I was, but you know, it was, again, it's, a, it's, it's like training, losing weight, going on a fitness journey. You got to stop from where you're at and work your way back to where you want to be each time. So, yeah, just just a little bit of encouragement, just a little bit of encouragement to everyone out there. So this week we are getting into Second uh, Samuel 18, Second Samuel 18. And last week we left off with King David fleeing the city of Jerusalem. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I had a brain fart just now. I was like, Judah? I was like, Judah isn't right. Jerusalem? That sounds about right. Yeah. But yeah, like fleeing the capital city of Jerusalem because his son Absalom, who was Tamar's sister, who got raped by their brother Amnon, Amnon, who Absalom Mm -hmm. killed and got banished from Jerusalem. And David brought him back because he felt kind of guilty for banishing Absalom. And now Absalom came up with this scheme to win the hearts of the people and to overthrow his father as king. So we had the people, you know, kind of coronate him as king or crown him king. Um, and so David just, you know, didn't want to cause too much of a, of a fuss in the capital city. I personally think he didn't want to like cause the capital city to get destroyed because between like a, 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 a full on civil war, mm-hmm. he's like, I'll leave. And he literally told the priest, if God wants me back in the city, I'll come back. And like, I'll just see what God has for me in store. Like take the ark back in the city. I know that, you know, God is a one true living God and doesn't, you know, isn't that ark per se. And it's better for the ark of and the presence of God to stay within the city during this time and not be wherever it is I'm going, not be with me. And so, yeah, man, that, that's kind of what we're picking oh, up. But you know, you know us, last week we spoke, we, um, we, we, we spoke a little more in depth on, what's his name? Ahithophel. Oh, yes. And, and Hushai. Mm-hmm. Right, this, you know, two contrasting characters, and they was both in Absalom's air because Absalom made it to a point where he was trying to pursue David, like on some, I'm trying to kill him so that I can be the king officially. And he, you can see, Absalom is not the best tactician, mm-hmm. and so he needs people, trusted people, to advise him. You know, Ahithophel came up with this plan. Ahithophel had other agendas. You can see, you can, you can see Ahithophel wants to kill David. Like it's a personal vendetta, you know, because mm-hmm. he was once David's advisor. Mm-hmm. Now he's become Absalom's advisor. And the plan is, yo, let's get straight to the kill. Just give me the man, the man power. I will do it myself. <laughs> exactly. But um, Absalom chose the advice of Hushai, who was acting as a double agent. He was truly on David's side, and he gave Absalom um, some advice that sounded more logical, mm-hmm. but he. We all knew, they all knew that Absalom would not be able to succeed in this way. Ahithophel also knew that, and he knew that Absalom would fail, and he Ahithophel would be killed once Absalom failed. So Ahithophel decided to kill himself. Yeah. 
So that's but first he did put his he did put his, he house, put his in order. house in order. Yeah. <laughs> he did put his house in order. <laughs> he did not unalive himself without putting his house in order first. Right. So anyone of that don't 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 kill yourself. Very um, God. Amen. It's not in verse uh chapter 18. And also at the very end, chapter 17, too, we see David, those were in their time of trouble, essentially, you know, on the Mount Olivet heading down. And they were meeting with some friends who actually gave them food because naturally they had, they had nothing. They left the city with nothing but the clothes on their back. So that was, that's how verse uh, chapter 17 ended off. And so now the reason why I point that out, too, because it chapter 18 kind of like just starts right abruptly from that, from how, how 17 ended. So uh, verse one, and David numbered the people who were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them, which is so interesting, too, because at first it made it seem like David didn't leave with that much people. But if you have like captains of thousands and hundreds, yes, yes. a lot of people were still riding for David. You got a squad. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Cool. So like a lot of people were still riding for David. And this even makes me think like, how much food did these friends of yours really bring? Because yeah. y'all feeding legitimately y'all are feeding an army. Yes, and there's a variety of food that y'all bring. Exactly. So, so that's very interesting. And David, verse two, then David sent out one third of the people under the hand of Joab. And we know Joab was one of David's nephews who was a very good war general. A third under the son of Abishai, also David's nephew, also a very good war general. We know Abishai also wanted to kill King Saul when David didn't want to. Oh. Yes. So the sons of Zura, Zuria, I, I butchered that from time to time, Joab's brother and one third under the hand of Etai the, Git, the Gittite. And the king said to the people, I will also, I also will surely go out with you myself. But they wasn't going for that. I mean, what, what would you have done in that in that circumstance? I mean, because like I could see David saying, "Man, I got y'all into this mess. It would be a shame if I, who is the main person Absalom really wants to kill at this point, like don't be out there at least leading y'all." Because I, I, I personally would feel bad y'all fighting this war on my behalf when is my problem be in this mess? No, I want to be out there leading the people, and we had known if. He had been in the front leading the people. He might have prevent half of this stuff because he wouldn't have been in Jerusalem. He wouldn't have seen Bathsheba. He wouldn't have removed the hedge of protection from himself, as we talked about in the previous episodes. So, again, it's like, bro, I already know. I already messed up the first time by not going to war with y'all. This is almost a no-brainer to me. Let me go. Sign me I, up, Captain. <laughs> I feel the same way. I feel the same way because... Like you say, if he had, if he had been leading when he was fighting the Ammonites, mm -hmm. the opportunity for him to fall the way he did would not have been there when he was out on the field. So, I know I, I feel the same way, and I I don't know what could you do in this scenario, you know? Because like, yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of kings, bro. They don't back down, bro. Like we riding, you know what I'm saying? Especially if you. Feel like you could win this battle, bro. Like, I don't know how David feels. Like, I don't know if he's like truly concerned that they their lives are in jeopardy or not, but you know, he's doing the noble thing here by, by choosing to lead the charge. I agree. But in verse three, they say the people answered, You shall not go out, 
For if we flee, they will not care about us. Nor if half of us die, they will not care about us. But you are worth 10,000 of us now. For you now more help us in the city. And it's like, dang, I, I get it. And I, I, and like, I could just see David, forget David for a second. If, I, if this was me in the circumstance, I would feel like the inner turmoil. Because I get what you guys are saying, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, even as a king, like you would value, you would value your subjects in a certain, like if he's a good king, we know David was a good king because you know, you watch the movies and kings don't, they, they don't, don't care. care. It's just about them, really. <laughs> exactly. They don't care. But we know David at least had a heart. Some would argue that, but he had a heart. <laughs> he had a heart. He had a heart. So he's like, dang, like y'all don't want me to go out with y'all, but I, I understand it because I, the king is more valuable because like, if they, let's say like, because if you think about it, if they do retreat, the king could lead the second army out against it. Like in the, in the retaliation, mm-hmm. I could, the king could still better plan from behind the scenes, get a update of what's happening. So it's like, I, I agree with them though. I, you know, cause it's like, Bro, you, you, this, this would be a costly mistake on our behalf, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, let's say, let's say we go out there and lose. Mercy. I'd rather us lose when the king ain't around. Because if if we if we lose and the king dies, that's a whole different. That's a whole, everything change. Everything changes. But if we lose and the mm-hmm. king is still alive, there is hope. There's hope. You understand what I'm saying? There's hope. And so, you know, they, they basically saying, bro, you more help to us, but you safe and sound, bro. You really, the state of the, the country is at hand, bro, Nate. And if you- Quite literally. Yeah, it's too costly for you to go out and bottle and potentially die. It's better for you to stay here while we go test the waters. Yeah. And so we see in verse four, David said to them, whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood beside the gate and all the, and all the people went out by the hundreds and by the thousands. And I, even before I go on, right. To me, that still shows like humility and simultaneously good leadership as well, because it's one thing to just, I'm the king, whatever I say goes, mm-hmm. it's another thing to actually take advice and good counsel. Yeah. And one, humble yourself because you are the king. Like if you, if David said he was going and he really wanted to go, but let's be honest, no one really could have stopped him. Mm-hmm. But he's saying, okay, you guys make a valid point. As much as I really want to go, I understand your argument and I will stay back. And swallowing your own pride is, again, something I, I also working on in different aspects of my life. Swallowing your own pride and being humble and being, okay, this is, the, like, this is still a better cause of action and it still makes more sense for me to go this route. Yo, I, I I actually really respect that, and and we see like just like the second time we see David like swallowing his pride and his ego because the first time is when he actually wanted to build a build a build a temple, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And he had to take a box seat and was like, God was like, nope, you ain't you ain't doing that. That's how I was even before Bathsheba. Like even yeah, if David, yeah. even if he even if he was hoping God would come back around and say, yo, you you might get billing. Just in case, right? <laughs> but let me tell you this though. Interesting you say that because David has been this humble guy the whole time. You understand what I'm saying? Like whole time until the fall. Mm. Well, it's 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 one of the cha- one of the place time, but I don't think he was being too humble. And that's when um he was trying to kill um the bottle. Like I don't I don't think that was humble at all. Like 
at all at all because a lot of people can take rejection or, or take mm-hmm. um disrespect better than david was planning to take disrespect but so overall we have this humble guy who is he plays it by the books he fears god god is at the forefront of all of his decisions right and then we see where he gets the the um fame and the accolades and he, he achieves great things because of god and then he he falls because of his own actions and because of mm-hmm. his own pride and, and all of that stuff, right? Now, post-fall, family drama. But where we are, like, specifically in the story, we see that David, instead of going to war with his son, instead of saying, all right, if we unmind, I, I can get envoys from all these other cities. Because remember, David of people yep. who is, right, from other, who, who is um, servants, from other countries, like we was just talking two episodes ago about the Gittite. That was only his first day. His first day on the job, he trying to fight. You could have hired envoys. You have way more resources than Absalom. Absalom only helped the popular vote of Hebron or whatever city he was part of uh, mm-hmm. being a judge towards. But you say, you know what? I could do I could do these things the humble and clean way. I can get out so that we don't cause commotion, so that we need this bloodshed gotta be shared and so that because when David and, and, and so that you know just to keep the peace when David was ho- was home in Israel we see the man the, the descendant of Saul was following following David well mm-hmm. someone from Saul's family following David trying to harass him and, and throw rocks at him you know what I'm saying we see we see Ziba going going rogue trying to usurp Mephibosheth's which mm-hmm. is check check last episode and the, and the episode before that just to get a context of what we're talking about. So David did the humble thing by sacrificing his own luxury and his own comfortability and going in the wilderness again. This is the same thing when he was a shepherd boy. David ran the first time from Saul. Man, he had to run because he didn't have leverage. This time you have leverage, but you, you follow in the same pre-King mm-hmm. David route. You understand? So he leave, he leave Israel. You know what I'm saying? He playing it cool. Playing it chill, like he. Some some kings could have been like, "Oh, that boy, after all I do for him, you know," and he could have let his anger event like get the best of him. Mm-hmm. But he decided, "No, I'm not going to do that." And also, that's return the ark of the covenant because I'm not trying to be superstitious or anything like that. Like I'm, I'm just trusting in God to do this. And now, furthermore, David is being humble once again. Yep. You see what I'm saying when it comes to the way they're going to actually approach going to war. You know. So just all around, we can see we can see a shift. Like we can see where David had too much dip on his chip before, and that's what led him to to slip um, the way he transgressed. And now we can see that David he, he ain't allowing himself to become too proud, proud or arrogant to even be in that mess, but like fully relying on God. Yeah, man. I mean, because like when you think about it, it's always that time where you got to go back to basics. Like mm-hmm. you must sometimes I like, do this in my own life. Like okay, if I really in a funk. At what point was I good? And then you examine that point and you're like, okay, what was I doing during that point? And mm-hmm. people have been like, yo, I was the most humble person ever. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a big ego. I wasn't inflated. I was super close with God. I was trusting God for every woman, every move. Along the way, I started to get, you know, kind of prideful. Like, yo, I just finished conquering all these nations. Look at what I did. You know what I'm saying? You know, pride, pride comes before the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so now we see David humbled himself and then we pick up in verse five. Now the king had commanded Joab, Abishai and Ittai, the three commanders that we read about in in verse two saying, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. 
And all the people heard when the king gave the three captains orders concerning Absalom. Wow. Deal gently for my sake mm. with the young man Absalom. And man, I remember, like, I shouldn't say I remember, like, right before Paul, I was telling you, it's like, the severity and the feelings behind that sentence right there, it's like, I can't fully grasp it yet because I don't have a child. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because, like, we've seen this is some type, this is some different kind of love. This is what Ahithophel was afraid of. Mm. Like, Ahithophel was, like, saying, like, yo, if I make Absalom do this thing, Absalom will still be beyond, beyond reproach. Right. From David, but we see David saying, "No matter what, brother, still my son, I still yeah. love him after everything he has done for me." You know what this I'm saying? Man, this man has put me in a predicament where I cannot show him love, bro. Like, even even if you was just trying to usurp the throne, okay, bro. Hey, people who are royal—that happens. Ambition, ambition happens to a lot of people, whether you royal or not. Mm-hmm. But then Absalom. Two chapters ago, or maybe last chapter, he went and slept with all of David's concubines. Concubines, right? all of them. In in public, you know, on top of like a building. Like, under you know, a tent? Under a tent for the town to see. In the sight of the people. In the sight of the people. And, you know, God prophesied about that mm-hmm. you know, to Nathan. And that's one of them things where it's like, I doing this so you can know, bro, I am severing all ties from you. You know, I am. I wanted to be. I wanted to be as blatantly obvious as possible that we are at odds, right? And even after all of that, David is like, "Bro, that's my boy. That's my baby. Deal gently with my boy." You understand what I say? Like David treating him like he's like a like this a phase. Like you know, like how teens just go through phases. Exactly, like. bro. Like David saw like he'd be the ones on the movie on the TV cast saying, not my one good son. Not my good son. Not my good son. No boy. And you know what? Let me tell you something about that. My cousin, he just had a he just had a son last year, son, a little over one now. And he was telling me how his life changed after having a son. You understand how overwhelming it was, like things that he didn't put stock in before that he wish he had been prepared for, you know, all this stuff. And he realized how beautiful it is to bring a life into the world. And he reflected on something his mother had told him. And he said, yo, this this mother told him to cherish the time when your son is, is such an infant, so reliant on you. The time gonna be quick. You understand? Child, children only be in for like two years, you know what I mean? Or yeah, like you know, talking about adolescent and teenager. Then it can come a time when they when they back talking you, when they don't want to listen to you. And and like this whole time, you can't forget about how this little baby that used to wake me up in the middle of the night, but I love you so much that I care for you, right? And like I, I can be real, it moved me, right? And he said to me, he went, he then explained to me that his mother explained to him that the sentiment in the Bahamas, my good son, comes because parents. When they see their child, no matter how much of a menace that child is, they remember when that child was not a menace. Bro. Like it's hard for them to overlook the current mm-hmm. or what the media says about them or the crimes that they have committed. It's hard for them to it's hard for them to overlook the soft, loving child that they once had to be able to see what, the, what society sees. So mm. in their mind, and this is a bias, this is a huge bias in their mind, 
you will always be my good son. I remember, I know you was a good boy, bro. Like, you acting out, you doing these things, but I can't define you because people ain't see the whole you, bro. They mm-hmm. only see the bad you, so they judge you as bad. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of the people in the Bahamas who are, who people to say, my good son, your good son have been do- doing very bad things. A lot of people have reasons to say your son is not a good boy. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like I'm talking about murders, all type of bad stuff, right? But to that parent, because of the intimate connection that mother had with her child, mm-hmm. that always could be her good son. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, man, like, go, go, keep, I can't, going. keep I going. Ain't, I, ain't, I don't have no children, bro. So I can't speak to this from, from a conviction state. But I feel like that's what David, that's what David going through right now. That's my I, good son, bro. I think my, I, it's like I could see it, you know, because I don't know, but like, I don't know if your mommy ever tell you this, but I feel like every mommy said, like, no matter how old you get, you can always be my son. Oh, for sure. And it sounds so weird, but that's so true. I mean, like, man, I mean, it's recent news now, but like, you know, like the queen died of England, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And Charles, who was her son, just became king because he was next in line. But think about it, he's 73. But like, and again, all these years, I'm 73 years, he was her son. You know what yep. I'm saying? Like, Man, my daddy, when they was here a couple months ago, he was saying, because my grandma was also, he was saying, like, as big as, as old as I am, that's my mother. I still got to respect. Mm-hmm. I still listen to her to this day. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because no matter how old she get, no matter how old I get, that's my mommy. That's my mommy. You know what I'm saying? And wow. so it's like, man, like a mother, like the, the parental aspect of your, like looking over your kids, granted, like I say, I ain't see this yet, but I can see it from different lenses coming down, like, no matter what happens, it's like, yo, this is still my child. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We might have a rocky path. We might have a world of trouble in between us. Yeah. <laughs> but man, we really see in David's heart again, like, yo, deal gently with him for my sake. Mm-hmm. Like, I ain't even asking but y'all. Like, like, if y'all truly love me as a king right now, understand for my sake, I am begging you, don't kill him. Bring him back alive. And we see David didn't even tell this to the generals in private. He mm. said this in front of the, everybody. All the people who were with them heard David said to the three captains, mm-hmm. deal gently with him for my sake. So you let him say, no, this ain't no private thing. Everybody knows, even y'all who I ain't given the direct orders to, y'all know if y'all see him face, don't do nothing with him. Because I tell y'all captains to spare him. So don't take it upon yourself thinking you're a hero. For mm. my sake, Spare Absalom. Let me deal with him. And we know David, and in this point, it's like going to be like, you know, I can let God deal with you. Yeah. David has not had a good track record of disciplining disciplining his sons who've committed crimes over the past few stories. Mm-hmm. But no, it is, no, it is very touching. Bro, I kid you not. I'm reading this and I just like, man, that's, cr- that's crazy because he asks, he essentially asking them for a favor. A big favor. Yeah, like, bro, don't, I'm not telling you to have mercy on this young man because he deserves it, because of anything else. Because I can't, there's nothing I can say to make you have mercy on him. But I'm asking you for my sake to be gentle with this young man. And in my interpretation, gentle means not dying. Yeah, like spare him. Like, that's that's literally what what he's trying to say. And even then, man, like, if, if you think about, like, the relation to like Christ covering us in front of God, the father type thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yo, they deserve to die. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But for my sake, you mm-hmm. know, 
They had faith in me. They believed in me. We had a relationship. Spare them. You know what I'm saying? They de- do they deserve death by law? Yes. The yes. sin is death. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So do they deserve his die? Yes. But for my sake, spare them. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's so, it, it means, shoot, that's, 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 that's remarkable, man. Yeah. yeah. So we see in verse six, so the people went out into the field of the battle against Israel and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. A lot of things just go down in Ephraim, you know. Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> and I was thinking we ain't here Ephraim in a while for real. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, but a lot of things happen in Ephraim. Like, I don't like. I never end up not in, in Benjamin. Well, that one thing in Judges when the Benjamites. Yeah. Anyway, we ain't got to get into that. You know, <laughs> Say the word, man. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's just some it's just some um, <laughs> tribes that don't really get no shine. Like, what is no. happening? It's a car and Naftali. And Dan. And and Don. I feel like I hear Don wanted is a car. That's, you know a, what I mean? That's <laughs> a fuck. That's a big fuck. Yeah. So, uh, verse 7, the people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David, and a great slaughter of 20,000 took place that day. Just let that sink in. Woo! Let that sink in. And this is what David didn't want to happen in the capital city. Mm-hmm. Because I think, well, honestly, Deep down, David knew, I have the superior numbers right now. I have the army on my side. You know what I'm saying? I have, bro, I have the experience. Like, come on, bro. Like, like I, I defeat people who hate us, bro. We as brothers, bro. So we can be some resistance and fighting, bro. I deal with people who's, who's worship idols, all type of things, bro. Like, giants. Giants. Come on, bro. Like, exactly. <laughs> And so 20,000 got slaughtered there that day. For the battle, there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside and the woods devoured people, more people that day than the sword ever devoured. Dang. Wow. The, the landscape take them out. <laughs> so in verse 9, then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under a thick hose of a great turbineth tree. And his head got caught in the turbineth, so he was left hung, hanging between heaven and earth. <laughs> and the mule which was under him went on. Yeah. But first of all, I, I was a little confused about this when it said, then Absalom met the servants of David. So, like, was he leaving a meeting? With, I just didn't catch up with him. Like, I they think, say Absalom met them. Yeah, I think he probably right. Like, you know, when you're trying to escape and you turn through the wrong corner, you be seeing the movies all the time. You see mm. things happening over there. You trying to make your escape and you and like the antagonist run into the protagonist too, like a back alley. Somebody like, oh, didn't make didn't mean to see you here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but that that long hair, bro. I think maybe he should have considered cutting it more often than once a year. My thing is. Again, you brought this point up before, Pod, right? But, like, why you want a mule? Why not a horse? Why not something a little bit faster? I don't really particularly see mules as fast animals. Like, donkeys just trot along. Like, they're slow and steady, and they reliable means of transportation, right? But in times of trouble, why are you trying to ride on a mule, bro? They ain't built for auction. You should be on a horse, a big horse. (laughs) Yeah, bro. But you know what? Was because all right, the Bible specifically says, and his head caught in the terabit. Mm-hmm. Does but I always thought it was his hair. You know we always hair is his hair, 
what I would have to believe is this hair, because that's the only way it could get really caught in a tree. I can see your head getting, I can see what certain impact between two branches, like two limbs, because the donkey just moving and he ain't really considering nothing for real, and you wasn't paying attention, and your head pump get jammed somewhere. But my thing is, again, I'm going to be getting a little too into the weeds, right? But I'm <laughs> like, if you want a donkey and you're riding, you should be able to like avoid the branches yeah. with your head. So yeah. I can see you yeah, have these yeah, yeah. long flowing hair behind you and something get caught in a branch. You just like, and it pulls you back and the donkey just keep on going because the donkey ain't got much sense. Sorry for anyone who loves donkeys. <laughs> I mean, that's the most logical thing, bro. That's what I thought too, you understand? But I'm only, I'm, see, I just being a little semantic. I just, no, I, I get you. Yeah. Because it's, 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 it's specifically says head here, yeah, but I mean, it, it, and obviously your hair is a part of your head, you know, yeah. what I'm saying? But they didn't specifically say hair, but it makes more sense because they pointed out how long the man hair was. You feel uh, me? How, and then truthfully, exactly. Go for right, it. But, but then truthfully, bro, it's like, bro, like, were you not even looking for your hair to get stuck? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know, I think it's more likely that your hair will get caught in something, especially if it was up. I think it's, I think it's actually kind of like strangely fitting that it was his hair that caused him to be in his predicament because it was a part of his pride. Because we know if we go back to Second Samuel, I think it was 14. Go back to Second Samuel 14 and talk about how good his looks was, how luxurious mm -hmm. his hair was, how we had to cut his hair once a year, not because of anything else, just because it got too heavy for his head. So we know that his hair, how I read it, Earl Roberts reading it now, like that was part of his vanity. Mm -hmm. So something that you held so precious to you end up being one of the reasons you led to your downfall because it led you on this path. You thinking you look so good and what's not. Go for it. You know how embarrassing it is to die like that? <laughs> anyway, I jump in the gun. But let me tell you, I just think it was something else. Though, uh -huh, go for you it. You know why it really could be his head, though? Mm -hmm. Because if your hair get captured, it's easier for you to get out of that than if your head was stuck. You see what they're saying? Because you need leverage to, to, to remove your head from that, right? Because think about it, right? If you was riding on a donkey, your body would not be that much elevated because donkeys ain't that tall. Mm -hmm. You see what they're saying? So you hanging, and you probably like two, three feet off the ground. And if that, like three feet, three more feet, and you probably can touch the ground, bro. Mm -hmm. But you just stuck. You know what I mean? So I think maybe, maybe what could have happened is that he ride on this donkey, the donkey picking up speed, you know, donkey's a little wild. Mm -hmm. He look and see the servants of David, so he wasn't paying attention, and then the donkey ended up running him into something that get his head. It's like his physical head jump mm -hmm. into it, and I was like, I don't even got the leverage to really get my get my head out of this predicament. You see what I'm saying? Like his physical head, you know. And then that was still that was still alive at your point because. The man was handsome, right? Mm -hmm. He had no blemish. You see what I said? So this this pretty little head of yours. You see what I said? Yeah. It's stuck in a tree, you know? Good point. Good point. Good point. I take it under consideration. Yeah. I, I don't know, bro. Because I, I just, because I, right, we, when we go, I I just, I get, I just explain what, what, why I feel this way as we get more into it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it is embarrassing. It is embarrassing to just be hanging. You know what I mean, bro? Like, it's like imagine if. All right, so that's the reason why David didn't come up the bottom, and so you could see the difference in tact in 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 what's the word? Tact 
tacticians, I don't mm -hmm. know, in, in, in tactics, right? David and his men say, bro, it's wise of you to stay put, no matter, because we don't know how this can go. But Absalom won't ride with his men. You see what I say? Now, granted, this is probably Absalom first who rides, so we got to do it big, and you know, he got to make it look good. But now, you end up hanging from a tree. You know who you're hanging from a tree? David. Because David Mercy. stay home. You see mm -hmm. what I said? <laughs> but anyway. This is like, it's just way to get your head caught, head caught, hair caught, however it is. Because I'm like, why if you, why are you running, why, why, why are you going under the tree? Duck down. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. And I, like I get, see this, bro. I just like to get stuck. Like, that's what get me too. Like, you, it ain't like, you just there and it break the branch or the donkey leave you for a donkey and like they get, they surround you. Like, no, you, you, you physically got stuck there. I just imagine someone like, oh, I can't get out. Oh, I'm stuck. Like, how you get really? in this predicament? Like, you don't hear but stuff like this. Like, you just hear, like, if the Bible say, all right, like, like you see when, um, what his name is? Um, oh, man. The dude who, the upper millstone, fell on his head in Gideon's son. I know what you mean. I, I, right. I, I can't remember his name right now, too. So, now, with him, you can always say, all right, he died a very uncommon way. Something fall on his head and he died. But guess what? Stuff like that is happening in life. It ain't not common. But construction site, something fall on your head, X, Y, Z. Somebody from, like you watching these movies, they in a fortified, um, they're on the wall and they throw something down or they arrows. You see what I said? Remember mm -hmm. David just was saying that. David was like, bro, why y'all get so close to the wall? That's when when, when yeah. so much men died when they was fighting the Ammonites. He's like, why y'all get so close to the wall? Like, bro, it is, I do not hear about people hanging, getting getting their head caught in the tree, bro. <laughs> like, Exactly. Like of all the ways, bro, of all the ways this bottle could have gone, getting your head caught on the tree was not on my bingo card for today. <laughs> <laughs> Man, spot up bingo. I play bingo forever. Oh, and the uh, person yeah. we was talking about in Judges was Abimelech. But we always just forget that name. Every time we mention him, he's got to remember his name, bro. <laughs> it's, it's a couple of Abimelechs, though. That's what's getting me, too. And that's why I feel like I should remember his name. It's a common name. This name come up a couple of times. Like I hit the fell. I don't know how I remember that name, but that's the only person I know in the Bible who, who named that. You see what I said? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now we were okay. I don't know why I made that noise. Okay. So now Joab told him. Okay. Now a certain man in verse ten. Now a certain man saw saw it and told Joab and and said. I just saw Absalom hanging under the tree. I can imagine this person saying, okay, I could kill you, but I ain't gonna be the one responsible for killing the king's son. I already see the king say, this man should be returned alive. So I can do the honorable thing. Go up. We found him. Now, what you do with this information? It's between you and him. We have found him. He over there, he, his head's wedged in between these branches pretty good. He ain't escaping. And this had to be a really strong tree, too, because I'm like... That's, that's what they're trying to show you, bro. They got time. To, now, granted, this ain't that much time because they all on the field, and you just got to go find someone. That might not take you that long, but mm -hmm. you see it. You go on straight to the general, and you all have this convo. You see they saying the general got to come back, and all this time, let's say, let's say in the world that it was your hair, right? Now, my thing is, bro, cut off your hair, tear something, wiggle your hair enough to tell it ain't caught, but... I can still see you getting caught by the hair and you can't get out of that. You feel me? Like I can still see that happening if you don't have like a blade on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if it's head, you definitely mm -mm, you, you, you go on, bro. Like ain't nothing you can do but that. 
you know, if it's your head, like head, head. But anyway. So in verse 11, we see Job said to the man, you just saw him and you did not, and you did not strike him there to the ground. I would have given you 10 shekels of silver and a belt. Mm. So now we're seeing something interesting. We're seeing Joab saying, bro, I don't care. What David say? What the king say? We are mm. in this trouble because of this man. The country is in turmoil because of this man. I will often, why did you not take this upon yourself? And so the funny thing about it is I can't blame this. I can't blame that or like regular soldier. No, he knew what he was commanded to do. Not my burden to bear. <laughs> All right. But watch this, right? Mm-hmm. Joab is the type of person who his interest is go before everybody else's interest. He didn't kill Saul because that was truly David's interest. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, if you give me the word, I'll kill Saul. You say the same, but you tell me don't do it. All right, good. Mm-hmm. When it comes to killing Abner, he ain't even consult David or not. He just going to kill because Abner killed his brother. You feel me? And so, like, we can see that's how Joab is, bro. Joab, <laughs> I can imagine when David was saying, when he speak to Joab, Itai, and whoever else, Abishai, he was like, yo, do you generally with my son? And Joab was like, you can't be talking to me. I ain't dealing generally no one. You see exactly. He already had that in his head. So now it comes to the point where the king say, don't do this thing. But the commander talking to one of his subordinates and saying, bro, what you mean you saw him? You ain't kill him? I was, you was, you was can see a payday today, bro. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like, even for uh, like people out there, like the belt back in those days, the military belt was like such a high prized possession. Mm. So it was like, really just saying to someone, oh yeah, I had to give you like a military belt. Like that was like a rich payday, honestly. Yeah. Like, and then, go for it. 10 shekels of silver, right? Joseph gets sold for 20 shekels. So that's that's half the price of a human being, bro. You understand what I say? Like, for real, bro. Like <laughs> You want to go on for inflation? Right. No, see, if it was inflation, then that's like, mm, whatever. And that, it would have been plenty of inflation because this was hundreds of years after. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But I don't know how 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 much inflation used to really fuck in, in damn days because it wasn't really too capitalistic. Well, it was to extent. It was a little bit different really, because, I mean, you know, it was... It wasn't even like backed by gold. Like the currency was gold was, and silver. Right. So exactly. <laughs> literally, however fast we could mine it, which ain't that fast. You know what I'm saying? We ain't got that much resources and tools. So right. it was it was kind of under control. That's mm-hmm. why you had servants. And then guess what? Jesus got sold for 40 pieces of silver. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So that might it might have doubled by then. You see what I'm saying? That might have been. But we talking price. about like a thousand years later. So right, I that, still that, ain't bought. Years after this, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah I, I still ain't bought. So mm-hmm. now we see, we see. But the man said to Joab, "Though I were to receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I would mm-hmm. not raise my hand against the king's son." For in our hearing, the king commanded you, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, Beware, lest anyone touch the young man, Absalom. Otherwise, I would have dealt falsely against my own life. For there is nothing hidden from the king. And you yourself would have, what, what have, what, you yourself would have set yourself against me. Hmm. So we see, and he, he's smart. He's saying, hold on. Because we hear you say. Hmm. We hear the king tell y'all, tree y'all, don't touch him. Mm-hmm. A thousand shekels of silver wasn't going to get me to touch him because guess what? Even if I did do it right, mm-hmm. when I loyal to David, but even if I did do it, you yourself would have turned against me because I would have been the scapegoat. 
Exactly. Your hands would have been clean. You would have no worries in the world. You would have been, I can imagine, I can imagine you too. Didn't the king tell you leave him alone? Leave him alone. <laughs> Even though he was happy. Even though we happy. Yeah. Even though we happy. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, by the way. Just wanted to correct that. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah. So now in verse in verse 14, then Job said, I cannot linger with you. Excuse me. And he took all three spears in his hand and thrust them through Absalom's heart. While he was alive in the midst of the terebinth tree. And 10 young men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom, and they struck and killed him. So Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing Israel, for Joab held back the people. And they took Absalom and cast him into a large pit in the woods, and they laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then mm -hmm. all Israel, Israel fled, everyone to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in my remember remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name. And to this day, it is called Absalom's Monument. But didn't, okay, well, let's go one other time. Joab was like, all right, I ain't got time to sit there and slap up with you all day. This mom might get free while we are talking. I about to go and deal with that. You see what I'm saying? So three spares. And that was Murder, She Wrote, and then Joab has 10 armor bearers, by the way. Yeah, that's a lot. That, I was thinking that, that too. Is, that is crazy. And yeah, they, they um, actually did the rest of the fatal blows or whatever. And so Joab, I know, you think you still salty about when um, Absalom burned down his, his body his body field? He might have been, but I, it, it's so weird, right? Because again, so now we know Joab is really and truly David's right-hand man, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have this weird, like, irony playing out here. Because one could argue what Joab did was correct, but it wasn't right. You know what I'm saying? And yes. I know you have, like, you have a point sometimes we say it's, it's one thing to be right, but it's next thing to be righteous, right? Because mm -hmm. here's the thing. When you're looking out for you, like, Joab, no one within himself, bro, David is not going to reprimand this guy. And, you know, because, you know, it's a funny thing about it. It was Joab who fought for Absalom to come back. To come back, yep. You know what I'm saying? Absalom burned down his fields to get an audience with the king and then all this stuff unfolds. So now Job's saying, bro, it's better for David and for Israel if I kill you. Hmm. David wants you alive, and I understand that, but it's better for Israel and David if I kill you because David can't see that. And, and that's true. I, it, 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 and, that's the, and that's the wild part about it. So Absalom saying, you know what, it's these things are better. I, I need to put an end to this. I'm going to take it upon myself. I mean, and, you know, I ain't here to shoot Absalom praise. The man was a murderer, a traitor, a rapist, a usurper. All these things, right? Mm -hmm. But now, did Absalom deserve it? Yes. Did Joab have justifiable reasons to do it? Yes. But now it's like, was it still right to do this? You're stocking up all these evidence, which is still right. And it's mm -hmm. hard to say that it's still right to do it because the king himself asked you not to do it. And you know how much this meant to him. Yes. And it's, it's like that weird dichotomy, like, man, do I do what's best for my best friend, even though it's going to hurt? Or mm -hmm. do I let my best friend, like, suffer through this because that's what they want to do? Yeah, and, and so my thing is, like, you could have really just imprisoned Absalom. You see what I'm saying? Like, 
you know, I feel like it's different. It's different ways around it. But what is true is that right now, I can't really say what is the right or the righteous way. I don't trust Joab to be the righteous person. No, definitely circumstance. One time he shocked me. And that was when he gone and sent that woman over to tell David to bring your son back. You remember, like, yeah. it was chapter 14. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and, and like, just even the way he gone about it, he, he do it quick. You know what I mean? He consult David, you know what I'm saying? Because like I said, y'all could have bring the mom back. Like, there was nothing stopping y'all from capturing Like, nothing at all. You feel me? It was, 10, it was 11 of y'all. You had 10 armor bears plus you. Y'all could have cut that tree down. You see what I say, grab him, tie him up, and then bring him back. You see what I say, but in the back of his head, he's just thinking, right? Either David ain't gonna do nothing, or David could just ignore you. But you deserve to die, bro, like just straight up. And so, um, Joab take that upon himself, you know? What's also interesting to me, though, is that when we was in 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse, um, 27 and say to Absalom were born three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. Mm-hmm. Remember, we talked about that because we was like, you know, his daughter named after his sister, right? Mm-hmm. But now, when we fast forward um, to chapter 18, I mean, to chapter 18, verse 18, to say, Absalom himself had said, at some point in time, I have no sons to keep my name in remembrance, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. My speculation on that is that. When he made this monument, he didn't have a son. You know what I'm saying? Either that or maybe his son's passed away. I would assume they probably just died at this point. Like, you don't know, like, and even if we ain't, like, even during this time, we never have him talk about his family for real, for real. Mm-hmm. So they might already passed away, unfortunately, but that's, yeah. that's just what it seems. Such so a... Go for it. No, go on, go on. No, I'm just saying, like, it's just so interesting, too. Like, Absalom, who was so prideful, now he's swinging in a tree helpless and gets taken out by Joab, who like fought for you even to come back. Who, who feel you burned down for no reason. Mm-hmm. You burned down the man field, bro. <laughs> you you was being a brat. <laughs> you feel me? Like Yeah, a big one. A big one. Man, so, it's just it's just so sad though. It's just so sad, bro. The man went rogue. And my thing is, David added a little bit of fuel to this man going wrong. It's pent up aggression. I'm mad because you banish me when you ain't banish the next one who do all these crazy things. I'm mad that you ain't do nothing to avenge our sister. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm mad that even when you bring me back, you just got me sitting here. Like all of these things cause him to resent his father. You feel me? All of these things, bro. But then, David, he saw his one good son, and he was just like, not one good son, but he saw his good son, and he was just like, bro, I understand why you acting out, bro. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand how you feel. You know what I'm saying? And David wants to correct this, but it's sad because he don't have the opportunity to. And truthfully, you never know. David could have shown him all of the love and compassion in the market and still try to kill David out of another time. So, so, see, he, he was a patient one. Who used to... Wait his he time. Wait. He'll wait years. He'll wait, he'll wait two years just to tell, tell your guards down. <laughs> and then he making his mark. And that might have been why he was frustrated with David too, because David ain't given him no opportunity to get to him. He had no access to David. So it wasn't even no matter of getting your guards down. You can't get to me. Mm-hmm. You know? 
But yeah, bro, what a way to go. What you a way. So now in verse 19, then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, who was like one of the priests, let me now run and, tell, and take news to the king how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. So Joab said to him, you shall not take that news this day, mm. for you shall take the news another day. Mm. But today you shall take no news because the king's son is dead. Mm. Joab said, well, there, buddy, not today. Not today. Not today. In a TV show, somebody be like, my word, have some dignity, man. <laughs> he just lost his son. Yeah. Oh, my. Be today, bro. We can let this cool down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let the smoke clear a little bit. Then Joab said to the Kushite, go tell the king what you have seen. So the Kushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. And Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said to Joab again, but whatever happens, please let me also run after the Kushite. So Joab said, why will you run, my son, since you have no news ready? Joab up to something now. Mm-hmm. But he said, but whatever happens, let me run. So mm-hmm. he said to him, run. <laughs> like, I can imagine, fine, go. Mm-hmm. So then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plane and outran the Kashite. Powerful. Man. Boy, he was a runner. Yeah. Now David was sitting between the two gates. And it's so interesting now, we see David... Just where they left him, he was still there just waiting to hear back on word mm-hmm. from his people. Like, did you guys win? Really and truly, what, what, like, how is my son? Is he alive? That's, that's what he really want to know. Exactly. And how is the young man? Exactly. So, and the watchman went out and up to the roof of the gate to the wall, lifted his eyes and looked, and there was a man running alone. The watchman cried out and told the king, and the king said, if he's alone, there is news in his mouth. Mm. And he came rapidly and draw now. Then the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gatekeeper and said, there's another man running alone. Ooh. And the king said, he also bring news. Ooh. So the watchman said, I think the one running of the, one running of the first is like running of Ahimas, the son of Zadok. So the king said, he's a good man. <laughs> he comes with good news. Oh, man. Oh, and they can remember you're running a lot. He's running like he's running like a, a Himas. Mm-hmm. So Himas called up to the king, saying, All is well. Then he bowed down his face to the earth before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delivered the, up the man who raised their hands against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and sent me your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I do not know what that is about. All, I mean, honestly, too, partially I think Joab was trying to, like, spare Zadok. Like, bro, you don't even have the full story. Yeah. And I don't want you, who in such good standing with David, to be the one to break this newest name, you know. I, I rather the Kushai. Yeah. Let me, tell you what, let me tell you what I think, right? Go for it. I think everybody know Absalom dead, right? And Joab killed Absalom, right? But I think Joab was trying to make it so that he he don't appear that he hiding the fact that Absalom is dead. Mm-hmm. So he said, "Yeah, tell the Kushite, go and tell him, go and tell David Absalom dead, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So to everybody, it looked like all right. I being I honest. being I honest and I show an integrity and I and I get like I, I giving David all the news. And then he sent the first person later and say, "Bro, you go because he knew." Zadok was gonna uh Ahimaaz was gonna come first, you see what I saying, and give David a, a light blow. 
Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? And then to your point, the Kushite, you see they say they're going to come to lay it all out. Right. You see they say. So we see David turn to, to him and say, turn aside and stand there. So we turned aside and, st- and stood still. Just then the Kushite came and the Kushite said, there's good news, my Lord, the king. For the Lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. Wow. And David said to the Kushite, is the young man Absalom safe? It's like, did not David say, bro, I know you always going to win the battle. That right. part, I don't care about. Think that that, that angle itself. I don't where care about my that son? at all, bro. Like, yeah, like, where's my son, bro? The where? only thing I say, bro, <laughs> I say, like, the only instruction I give you all, bro, that's what I want to know about. Exactly. So the Kushite answered, may the enemies of my Lord, the King, all who rose against you to do you harm, be like that young man. Wow. He don't even know. The Kushite probably wasn't aware of the Command, bro. Which is so interesting, too, right? Because he's saying it's like, this is a good thing, bro. Him? The leader of the army? He did. Because, like, remember, remember when Joab and David saw um, Saul mm-hmm. laying down asleep? He said, bro, the Lord give you your enemies, this, give the enemies into your hand this day. You understand what he's saying? This is the day you can kill them, right? And they was like, no, I ain't touching the Lord's anointed. But you can see Joab, them didn't know no better. Because they think, they think, all right, you can sneak, you can sneak and kill. Um, Saul, this is back. This is for those who don't know. This is in First Samuel. Mm-hmm. You can sneak and kill this man. You feel me? And this God giving you this, right? But they were mm-hmm. like, "But this ain't God. This God tested me. If anything, we said he's saying because I can't. I am not sanctioned to touch his anointed. So all of them didn't know no better. The Kushite coming with the same thing. The Lord has avenged you this day. You know what I mean? Like they they see this as an ark of God, like as a, as a blessing. You know, but if you was around to know the command that David gave in front of everyone, you would not even want to give this. You wouldn't give this. This um. This you wouldn't give this news in this way. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Man, and so we see, um, in verse thirty-three, the king was so deeply moved, and he went up to the chamber over the gate and wept, and. As he went, he said thus, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place, O oh, Absalom, my son. And just even like for even more imagery, when the context there, when they said it was deeply moved, you go back and read, I guess it was the Hebrew and the words that were used there was essentially saying that he was so, literally he was shaking he was so like struck him with grief that he was physically shaking. Like that's how much it, it rocked him. It wasn't like that. Like, that's that. That's that deep, deep sorrow. That deep anguish when you really lost a loved one and you don't even know how to comprehend what to do, how to how to process this information. But the wild part about it is when you go back to Second Samuel chapter twelve. Mm-hmm. And we see the promise or the, the prophecy that Nathan said. It said, the sword shall never depart mm-hmm. from your house because you have despised me. And you have taken the wife of your right Hittite to be your wife. I will rise up adversity against you from your own house. Mm-hmm. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And mm-hmm. he shall lie with all your wives in the sight of the sun. And that was for 10 and 11 and it went on, but we but we kind of see. Do you have, do you have it up? Yeah, I have it up. All right, you want to read verse twelve? 
yeah, yeah, <clears throat> for you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. Mm-hmm. And and then David said, all right, so let me, I, I actually, you, you, remember your point though. Yeah, remember yeah, keep point. going, keep going. Right, because remember, remember with that story, they started to say that um, Nathan spoke in like a, like a metaphoric story about this guy who stole this guy who had who had lambs and he stole mm-hmm. a lamb from his neighbor who was poor. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So verse five of Second Samuel 12, it said, David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as, as the Lord lives, the mm-hmm. man who has done this shall surely die and he shall restore fourfold. Right? Yep, that's the part I was trying to get at too. Yeah, keep going. Fourfold for the lamb because he had did this thing and because he had no pity, right? Interesting. And so David is a judge, right? You know, if we think of historic Jerusalem, they had before they had kings, they had people who oversaw and people who are leaders, and then people who were, you know, they were they were chiefs of justice. And Absalom mm-hmm. was trying to do that couple chapters back, right? But David was a judge, and so David, in his wisdom, he pronounced judgment on this person that stole a lamb. He said he will pay fourfold, but on top of that, he will surely die. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that's the punishment that David said. So let me go to verse 13. So just just um, fast forward it now, because remember I said, he, you know, we just talk about how his wives would be taken secretly. His wife would be taken openly, right? Verse 13, it says, So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Mm-hmm. It was two, it was a twofold curse that David pronounced on this man in this allegory, but uh, in this uh, metaphor. And David he was talking about himself and he didn't even know. Mm-hmm. He said, This man she will surely die and he will pay fourfold. Mm-hmm. Nathan turns around and say, He will you not die. You will not die, yep. You will not die. You understand? So it's still the price of the fourfold payment. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know if you wanted to continue or not. No, I mean, like, again. I was going to take it a different point slightly, mm-hmm. right? But I'm like, when you look at it, this teach like this is even like a lesson to myself. Like, it's not one thing to just teach your children to be like godly, but it's like how training them up in the way they should go. Part of it too, like mm-hmm. I can teach them what godliness is. Because I mean, think about Dave Absalom was was there watching David grow up. You know what I'm saying? David might have had to interact with him. I assume David might have been a decent father. I mean, I've been a father who did too much and I want to discipline their children. But Absalom, essentially, I mean, I, it's nothing about Absalom's even makes it seem like he remotely like followed God, like how David did. Mm-hmm. As willing to actually like, teach your children actually have that connection with God. Now they're going to have their own connection with God. But it's like actually training them like how to, like what to do. So when you get old, they don't depart from it. It's not mm-hmm. saying that they're not going to like fall astray, but they're going to have like the lighthouse, like guiding light back to what to what to what feels right and what knows right. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing to just say, "Oh yeah, I do this. My children are going to be straight." But it's like, are you actually teaching your children on what what they should be doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like looking back and like how I grew up. I actually get personally like like thank my parents. You know what I'm saying? Like teaching me how to pray. Make sure I pray before I go to bed at night. No, when you're a kid, you're like, all right, cool. Like I don't really mm-hmm. want to do this, but yeah, just doing it, really. You know what I'm saying? Just doing it to do it, but. It's like looking back and like, I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Because there's it's a lot of things like that we take for granted. Like in the, coming from Christian backgrounds, we take, we take that for granted, man. But yeah, and now we see David, this is what, the third son he's lost. Right. So he lost a baby. Four or four. Right, yeah. the baby. 
the baby, yeah. he lost Amnon. He lost yeah. Absalom. Absalom. So Tamar got, got destroyed and not, not enough, like, you know what I'm saying? Like she got, right. Right. Her innocence got taken away. Right. So David, David takes somebody's life, right? Mm-hmm. And he would play four four, right? The life of his youngest, the life of his oldest, oldest. And, the, and the life of his second, third, uh, third, third, third son. Mm-hmm. That's three four, he already got paid. Uh, mm-hmm. He already got repaid. So as the story progressed, we can see where David's fourth alarm, you know what I'm saying, will be taken away from him. But it's it's crazy, bro. Like this, like the nerdy Bible stuff now. Like at this point, mm-hmm. because I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even have factored in that. Wow, David, four of David's sons got killed in the story. Like got killed, bro. Not like died. Like because obviously they all passed away now. But four of them, their lives was taken away. Like the mm-hmm. baby, obviously, you know. Uh, plague, like he got ill and died, but the, the other two was murdered, and then the last one we we can get into it. We gonna get into it eventually, but yeah. I mean, it shows that like yo, God's word never returns void. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, mm-hmm. pro- prophecy has to be fulfilled, mm-hmm. and straight up to the point where we see like God said, "Yo, I'm gonna take your wives to be taken away from taken away from you because you took away yeah, his, secret. You Uriah's wife. We see mm-hmm. his son went down steps with all his concubines in the sight of all of Israel. You know what I'm and saying? That wasn't that, you know, sometimes God speaks and it's like he's speaking poetically or metaphorically, right? No, this was literally like when they say in the sight of when I read he would do this in the sight of all Israel, I I read that as saying that everyone will know about everyone it. will it know. be no secret. Mm-hmm. But no, God was saying no, he literally is going to do this in the sight. Of all Israel, you know literally I mean? under the sun, bro. Yes, <laughs> in the sight of the sun, bro. Like literally, like <laughs> so wild, bro. Like mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I want to do this, and sometimes I don't want to do this. Episodes like this, I, I really don't want to do this, but I really would like to have like a cartoon of the Bible or even a live action like um, show of the Bible, like. like mm-hmm like drama all of that and, and like i'm not gonna dramatize it so it's like super juicy and gossipy but i can really just i i i wish like by the grace of god for us like you know what i'm saying one day we can actually bring to life the words written in the bible book exactly and this this is a little graphic you know what i'm saying obviously we need to show this on screen but for people to get the full gist of this story bro you see this and you're just like bro this wasn't no fight. You hated your father, bro. You you wanted to inflict pain on your father, but you had a hatred for your father to do these things. You know, the funny thing about it, like stories like this that are in the Bible are so much juicy than stuff we actually watch on TV if they're actually made live action. Because this, this, this is like an epic plot line. Just think about it. You can just see it now, bro. This son scheming behind the scenes for years, bro, doing what you got to do, acting like everything cool. You know what I'm saying? We know what happened between. Like, literally, this is like, a, this is like multiple seasons, bro. Season one. Oh, this... <laughs> Brother trying to scheme, trying to get sister, you know what I'm saying? Finally does the deed, kick it to the curb. Second brother, mod, furious, sister lives in with her. I feel like everything cool will still has his elaborate plot to kill him. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. bro, all this stuff now, you finally get raised to power. A season six, you raise the power, you're you reigning over Israel. Your father out in, in isolation. You're like, mm. oh, I'm the king in charge, doing whatever. <laughs> bro, it's- Yeah, it's, bro, you could, you could make- you know, and just thinking about it, I remember hearing somebody say that in college, bro. Like they say, because this was this was shortly after when the Noah movie, quote unquote. No, I never watched it. So oh, I that was foolishness. Yeah, I, I believe it was, but I, I never watched it. But, and he was saying how this dude was saying how if he had a bag and he was able to 
produce a movie on the Bible, it would be David. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it would be David, bro. And, and I'm just like, bro, in terms of action, whoo, in terms of action, and you have a protagonist that wins battles, it don't get no better than David. And then also to like one constant story arc. I know we're on a tangent, so we could probably switch games, yeah. right? <laughs> but like, just think about like one constant story arc going through, but yeah, it's super tangent. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, man, overall thoughts on the overall overall thoughts on this chapter. Man, you know, father's love, you know, we can parallel it in multiple ways, but there's so much parallels to, you know, the way our heavenly father loves us, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to focus on David's humility. You know what I'm saying? Like, because David, you know, you can tell Lamar really loved his son, Fox. And I do, I do look at it the way, you know, a parent or someone who has a, a greater level of understanding loves people. So mm-hmm. you you might have a child who being no modest or being unmodelly, that's, that's the proper term to say, like they might be unmodelly, but you know that this child really just don't know how to handle this or her feelings right now. This child really going through hormonal changes and that's why they acting out. They lack self-control in this way and they have not overcome, you know, how to handle these problems yet. And so you ain't gonna turn around and spite them back, right? You know, like, like I remember one time I had a cousin, this dude was going through it. Like life really was beating him down. I didn't know. I didn't mm-hmm. know. He had came over to our house and, you know, he just was being a lot, you know what I'm saying? And I ended up getting really frustrated and I exploded on him before that weekend end. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And when I did it, like, I was expecting a rumble or something, you know, but, you know, he backed down, you know. And I was just like, bro, you giving me so much negative energy. I thought you really had a problem with me, you know. Mm-hmm. Then when he left, I replayed everything. I replayed everything and I realized this was a cry for help the whole time. And that really eat me up inside. I was like, bro, why did I not have grace and mercy f- for him, mm-hmm. you know. And I resolved to thinking because I didn't know he was going through it. And I'm just like, but why have to know he going through it for me to have grace and mercy to him? Like, because my grace and mercy is conditional. Mm. You feel me? And because I love my cuz, I would but if if I could go back in time and I knowing that he was going through it, I would not, I would not treat him like that. I would treat him with love, bro. I'd be patient with him. Mm-hmm. David know that his reasons why his son was acting this way. And David don't share them same reasons, bro. I don't hate you. You ain't do nothing to me for me to hate you. I mean, you you did sleep with my wives, but at the end of the day, God tell me that was going to happen. You understand? Yeah. I can only be mad at my... This would have never happened if I didn't open up the door for that to happen. Mercy. You know what I mean? Mercy. And so, ultimately, David is showing a type of love where it's like, bro, I understand what you're going through, bro. Like, because I understand that you can't handle what you're feeling right now. And I am going to be the bigger man and show you love, bro. And I feel like that's what love is. You know, if, if you truly understand, like, if you truly understand, you'll be able to look beyond people's faults and they and they show comments and they outburst. And you would have to, and you and you would be able to factor in that if this person really knew how to love properly, they would not treat me this way. Because they don't know, they they rely on, they they choose in this form to like to react to me or something, you know. Yeah, man, like, uh, that's really good. That's a really good point. Like, honestly, it's like kind of like, 
I have, I have, I also have the same point. Like, it's kind of hard to fathom what it is for a child. I mean, for a, for a parent, to, like the parents' love for the child, and we, it's like a microcosm into what God the Father had to feel, because something that we felt that was unforgivable, unreproachable. David said, by not saying it, but by showing it, bro, that means nothing to me. Hmm. There's nothing you could do to separate my, stop me from loving you because you are my child. Hmm. And it's a mind-blowing, unfathomable concept. Because I think about myself, I'm like, yo, I'm a sinner who as much as, you know, wants to stop sinning, wish I could stop sinning. As Paul says, the things I find myself doing, I, the things I find myself, the things I want to do, I find myself not doing. The things I find myself doing, you know, the things I don't want to do. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, thinking about it, like, yo, I'm a sinner, but, like, God saying, like, I, oh, I still love you, my son. There's still a hope for you where the world sees future, like, a failure I see a success for you. I see a future for you. And man, it's just mind-boggling, like, like the father's love. Not only to sacrifice his only begotten son, which is, which is a whole different thing in itself, but for our sake, so that we could have love. We could experience that love. We could experience that peace. We could experience that joy. We could experience what it is to live like in his presence, what he truly intended for us. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy, man. But like, definitely want to encourage everyone out there to like, man, like, Choose God. Like, I don't even know what to say. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely a love that I wish we all could experience one day because we, even if you have a kid, I still don't think you can fully grasp. Granted, again, I'm, I have no kids, but mm-hmm. it's definitely something to think about and something to wrap, 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 just grasp because, like, that's what God does for us each and every day. Like, still forgiving us, still loving us, still hoping that, you know, we still choose Him. Even when we don't choose Him, oh, that hurts. But guess what, buddy? I'm still here to love you again. So, yeah, man, that's powerful. Yeah, I think I think just the love aspect of it is like God. I feel like God, like He ain't affected in the way we get affected by things because He's mm-hmm. perfect. He is sinless, right? Like mm-hmm. our sin gets in the way of our love so much times. But right now, we can see how people react when they truly love somebody. David love his his son, right? This is enemy. Mm-hmm. But it just so happens to also be his son. But I love you, bro. I show on you what it's like to love your enemies. You know, Jesus talked about do good to your en- do good to those who persecute you, you know, love your mm-hmm. enemies and stuff like that. Just where we can see it, bro. Me and you might have, me and you might get into an altercation. Or oh, no, I ain't even gonna say that. Two people might get into an altercation, two friends might get into an altercation, and they might say some really nasty things, right? To each other during this altercation. But if one of those friends was to pass away that night. You would cry and you would be like, bro, I didn't mean that. I wish I never said that, bro, X, Y, Z. Because, bro, sometimes we don't show love to each other, but we can love somebody and still treat them as if we don't love them. You see what so I said? Like, but it's like, bro, right now we get to see how David had every reason to treat someone like he didn't love them, but he treated them with love. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And Bro, this from a human perspective, bro, it's a lot, bro. Like, and I, and I, you know, and I, this really, this really, like, I agree, bro. This really powerful because why, why does affect you so much, bro? Why, or, or rather, why didn't this affect you that much? Why didn't the fact that your son was trying to kill you 
Your, your son was trying to destroy you, bro, destroy your reputation. He walk around letting people know that he was a better judge than you. He taking your woman. He taking your 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 position. Like he's he killed them, bro. He taking your whole country. country. He's coming for every single thing, bro. But you still mourning over him. You mm-hmm. understand? But you still want them to deal gently with him. You feel me? Because at the end of the day, even though you deserve these things, I love you. Mm-hmm. And oh man, if David, you know, people have their mixed feelings on David. If David is treat his son like that, bro, mercy. Imagine how God mm. treats his children. David's camp won the war, but David mourned bitterly because for him. He did not only lose a foe, he lost a son. This was a bittersweet victory for David because although he was very sad, he was quickly reminded by Joab that his soldiers and his country needed their king. But we'll talk more about that on the next episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. Tonight's episode included voice acting by your hosts. Earl Roberts and the Cars King. Remember to go ahead and research on your own in order to get a more firm understanding of tonight's episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can follow us on social media at A Breath of Fresh Air Pod on Instagram and B O F A P O D on Twitter. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next week.